0: Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, everybody. Mark Graben here. Welcome to episode 473 of the podcast. It's April 12th, 2023. My guest today is Elizabeth Swan. You'll learn more about her in a minute. We're talking about her new book, Picture Yourself a Leader. So for a link to that, her website, and more, look in the show notes or go to leanblog.org slash well, 473. hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Mark Braven. Our guest today is Elizabeth Swan. She's a returning guest from episode 389. If you want to go uh, and check that out, I'll link to it in the show notes. I'll tell you more about Elizabeth in a minute. But most recently, she's the author of a new book. It's outstanding. It's titled Picture Yourself a Leader illustrated micro lessons for navigating change. And it was uh, the other day, I noticed um, not just a blip, but it's been there for a while. Number one new release in the Amazon TQM category, total quality management, that little bit old uh, term there. But uh, before I tell you more about Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. Congratulations again on the launch of the book and being off to a good start. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. Great to be here. Um, I don't know why that became such a speed bump for me. Like it it does, before we we talk a little more about your bio in this book, like it's curious to me that that
1: category is still called total quality management. It's a really ancient term. When I give people like the history of, you know, process improvement, continuous improvement, I'll say, well, back in the day, there's this TQM acronym, total quality, you know, just like we don't hear it anymore. Right.
0: And it's funny, Amazon, when Amazon was founded and started selling books, I think TQM was already a little bit in the rearview mirror in terms of popularity uh, compared to terms of Lean and Six Sigma and what what have you. But, I mean, the the, the, the methods work. The lineage is, is clearly visible, I think, in both Lean and Six Sigma.
1: Yeah. It also... It's it keeps changing. I know you. I know you know how the the uh, algorithms uh, will bounce you around. But I, I in the morning I'll see. Oh, I'm number one in lean management. Oh, I'm number one in industrial relations with with Katie Anderson next to me. You know what I mean? Like sort of it just keeps shifting. But yeah, the TQM was like, hmm, interesting.
0: Yeah, and I didn't mean to imply that you and I are both ancient for knowing and having been around. <laughs> they were if still TQ- around. They were still teaching TQM in the late nineties when I was in grad school, that academia sometimes lags behind the private sector and they've, they've shifted since. Yeah.
1: No, I was in a consulting firm in the early nineties and that was pre sort of lean being a buzzword and pre Six Sigma. And it was, you know, TQM was out there and, uh, set up reduction and, you know, these things, basically this firm was part of the rebuild of, uh, of uh, Japan after World War II. So anyway, yeah, I I sort of put together all these terms over time. It's like they shift. Yeah.
0: And again, if you want to hear uh, in the last episode with Elizabeth, she told a little bit more of her continuous improvement origin story. We won't go through all that again today, but episode 389, if you want to check that out. So a little bit more about Elizabeth. She's consulted um, with business process performance for over 30 years. You you said that before before I did, the 30 <laughs> I'm almost at 30 Just to years.
1: drive home how long I've been working. <laughs>
0: um, her uh, Elizabeth's experience spans from helping local nonprofits to guiding Fortune 100 companies through lean transformations. Uh, among other things, she is the co-designer and lead instructor for the Lean Six Sigma Leadership Course at University of California, San Diego, or UCSD. Um, she's the co-founder of the Just in Time Cafe with Tracy O'Rourke. She's also the co-host of the Just in Time Cafe podcast with Tracy. And previously, she uh, co-wrote, again, with Tracy, Partner in Crime here, The Problem Solvers Toolkit, a surprisingly simple guide to your lean Six Sigma journey. And again, the new book, um, Solo Endeavor here, Picture Yourself a Leader. I hope people um, will check that out. Um, Elizabeth and Tracy have both been very involved. Let me give one other mention here in a group, very active during pandemic times. We still have a website we haven't met in a while leancommunicators.com is a website where you can find kind of all of our podcasts and YouTube channels collected together. So you know thank you Elizabeth for your participation and you know sharing and, and learning that was a uh, probably that was after we did the podcast last time. I don't know, let, me, let me just ask you about this. I mean like what were your thoughts about kind of you know collaborating and helping out and learning from other lean podcasters?
1: That was incredibly enjoyable. I mean, the people were interesting people. And I also felt like everybody brought something different and just addressed some of it was technical, like mics and uh, audio and quality of and choosing whether to do both audio and uh, video and also fun to bring people brought other information in like apps or I'm I'm surrounded where I am with a um, uh, public radio community and got a friend who's a voice coach to come in and just talk about what really helps when you're speaking, you know, sort of thinking about those things. So that was just really rich, I thought, um, mm. yeah. and fun. I looked forward to it.
0: Yeah, it was a great group. And um, there was a, a helpfulness, helpful spirit and collegiality. I mean, I I think even going back to 2005, when uh, a couple of people were starting off with blogging, like everybody, even though uh, you're, you're competing for eyeballs, quote unquote, or with the podcast, okay, you're competing for time, attention, ears, eyes. But you know, I think back to those days of blogging. Um, I think people were trying to you know expand the size of the pie, and 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 help each other out. And I I. I appreciate that spirit that we more, mo, most often, like it's an outlier, if, if that doesn't seem the case, I think in the lean community, whether it's among authors, podcasters, consultants.
1: It's a really good point. It is a generous community. There isn't a sense of, you know, it's, I mean, it, part of uh, our ethos is a rising tide lifts all boats, right. right? The more people know this and can benefit, the the better off we all are. So I feel that it it feels strong in that community, which is nice.
0: Yeah. So thank you to everybody who uh, is sharing and and learning and helping each other out. Um, One other thing I want to mention before we get into the book is a webinar that is uh, coming up, if you're listening to it before, April 18th. Um, Elizabeth is presenting a webinar as part of the Kinexis Continuous Improvement Webinar Series. It's titled Deepen Your Lean Leadership Skills with Brain Science. I'll put a link in the show notes for uh, registration. If you're listening uh, to this or watching it after April 18th, the recording will be available. So I hope people will go and check that out. And I'll also put a link in the show notes to um, kind of a quick preview that Elizabeth and I did as part of the Kinexus podcast series. But I don't know, maybe can I put you on the spot for an elevator pitch type description Uh, of, of the webinar?
1: Yeah. So this is born of the work I did with the book. The A lot of the topics, what I realized was there's kind of underlying human foibles, right? Sort of people-centric stumbles that often are the result of the way we're wired. And once you're aware of it, which I spent time trying to understand, well, why does that happen? And then it was like, oh, well, then here's a great way to deal with that. So just knowing kind of what it is that we, why we fall into the things we do when we don't have the impact we want, right? We want to have good influence. And when we don't, these are some tips on why and how to, how to experiment your way out of it.
0: So there's going to be a lot to learn. Um, again, April 18th, um, look for a link in the show notes or the uh, YouTube description, or you can also go to kinexus.com slash So Let's let's talk about picture yourself a leader. Um, I, I'm I'm going to start off by reading the full blurb that I wrote. This may embarrass you, or hopefully bring just it, on. Make bring you it smile. on. Bring it on. Bring it on. So uh, it was a bit long, but I'm just going to read it. Um, picture yourself a leader is a creatively written guide full of bite-sized morsels that provide nourishment and support for newcomers to continuous improvement, change management, and problem solving, and for experienced leaders. Individuals can read the book or jump around to the tidbit you need at the moment, but it's also well-suited for teams and book club discussions. So Elizabeth shares her thoughts and experiences along with her own illustrations with humor and jargon-free clarity. Also, it deftly incorporates, quote-unquote, wisdom of the crowd nuggets from other people in her professional circles in these lean circles. And then I ended it with picture yourself,
1: dot, 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 a reader of this book. So. I, I should hold up the book so they can see where that quote ended up, Mark. <laughs> I don't have a copy in hand yet. You've got one. You should. there? You go. Okay. Yeah, on the back of the book. There, so. there's Mark Craven. I pulled that last piece there, but actually, that quote you touch on every kind of salient aspect of the book. That right. you, you are deft. That's good. Yeah,
0: I didn't mean I didn't mean to write a book report.
1: <laughs> but, no, it was yeah. there's it, just a lot felt, there. it no, it felt you and there's a lot there. Thank you, but you captured it. So that um yeah. that is a great, that is a great one to read.
0: Okay, well, sure. So um yeah, I mean there's a lot there, meaning in in the book, and I think it's cool that it can be used so many different ways. So, you know, I always look to ask an author. I'm gonna do this here, um, tell us the story behind the book. Like what was what was the spark of all the different things that you could write? Why this book? Why this format? I know I, I jammed a bunch of questions there together, but yeah, so.
1: that's all right. I'm gonna feel them all, Mark. I got sure. this. So you hit on twice, or maybe this was when we were doing the thing. How long I've been at this? Uh, I don't know if we call it our 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 work world. It's been over three decades. So I and I have had, as you have, probably a lot of different hats. And then an arc of learning, an arc of getting good at what we do. And part of learning, as I think there's a book of yours coming out soon, involves making mistakes and then then taking what you can and will from those mistakes. So early on in COVID, like a lot of people, I had more time than I expected on my hands. And I started thinking, well, let me start writing up some of these things I've figured out. And the other aspect that drove this was stories and themselves. I use stories all the time. I use them to teach. And I remember finding out over time that those are the things that stuck. If I told a story, people remembered. So I thought, well, let me pull those stories together. And these are stories where it made clear either something that we all do you know, and don't realize it. Um, or a story where some, you know, I, um, just didn't, didn't quite understand something. And then suddenly it was clear. So I wanted to pull those stories together. So that's, I started posting them on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and then I would basically ask our community, this is what I did. This is what I figured out. What have you experienced or what have you figured out? And they responded. So, and sometimes as you've probably seen it, you hit a nerve, right? And suddenly this thing has gone into a massive conversation and it's back and forth. And there's a lot of people chiming in. And sometimes they, they gave me a different perspective or they challenged the way I uh, presented something and said, actually, I see it this way. Mm -hmm. And so I took in a lot of, it was almost like learning again, uh, through posting this story and the question. So the wisdom of the crowd section was born of, well, how do I keep that? How do I, you know, include that in the book? Cause to me, that was a rich part of this experience of writing all of these blogs, um, over, over a year or so. So I, I started to, uh, select, like just curate. All right. I'm going to try to get three that expand the conversation, bring a different, um, example or a technique. So I've just started to pull that together. So that Mm -hmm. I did that. And then that left me with, well then I don't want to, I want to tie up what changed. Right. So then just a reflection after that of like, well, taking it all in. So it's a lot of voices you, you I can't put in the book. I couldn't include them all. So this is where I got to with this. And then asking the reader, how about you? Like, you know, is this an issue for you? What would you, what would you like to experiment with, right? Just asking a few key questions yeah
0: um tell us more about you know sketching or drawing i'm not sure if either or both of those words uh the right word to use or tell us about sort of like that practice or that habit and how that became part of the book the illustrations with each chapter
1: another good question uh and it's funny because i initially called them doodles Doodles. and then i had a couple of uh colleagues reach out and go those aren't doodles those are drawings (laughs) i was like okay, they're drawings. But I have my family. My father uh, taught sculpture and art history at the uh, Museum of Fine Arts School in Boston. My mother is a painter. She's in galleries. She's still selling paintings. My brother-in-law is in galleries and paintings. My sister is a ceramic. I could keep going. There's just siblings. And um, my stepfather wrote and illustrated his own uh, two cookbooks. So, all around me are, to my mind, real artists. So I kind of relegated myself to, you know, like, well, I'm the redheaded stepchild. I never had red hair, by the way. That's <laughs> okay. just an expression. But right. the, uh, it, you know, I I do like to draw, and I think it was uh, Karen Ross. I was working with her on something, and she said, uh, "We'll do a drawing. Do a drawing." So I started drawing more, and then I thought, well, what if I captured this issue in a uh, in an image, and it's kind of a combination of cartoon and a contour drawing, but mainly what? what, what
0: what's a contour drawing? Sorry.
1: A contour drawing. Uh, they would have you what? Like if I was looking at you, and I would have a piece of paper. I wouldn't look at it, and I would just outline. I would just draw you, and I wouldn't, you know, and I wouldn't look down. Of course, I. Everyone looks down a little bit. Um, and those are, are just, they get nice detail, nice, interesting sort of elements of the, of the person. So I try to get a little more detail of people because what I find dissatisfying in a lot of graphics that we, that we see in the lean community or to, uh, illuminate the people in a process or what they're part of it. They're either faceless or the faces are just completely bland. And I thought, yeah, but it's the expressions. It's the emotion that tells the story, right? There's things that, you know, made you pissed. It made you uh, angry or uh, curious or shocked or I want to see that. I feel like that's the thing we don't acknowledge in the workplace, Mm. which is emotion. And it's there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And drawings capture that, I think in a, yeah, a different, a different way. I, I would um terro- i mean i am I'm, I'm not uh, an artist i'm i I'm, I I don't i could doodle i guess but i wouldn't i wouldn't put drawings of mine in a book i would be real <laughs> self-conscious about that maybe, maybe i need to get past that and just try i mean like is there a continuous improvement cycle for, with for for drawings drawing, or you a, know compared to the first ones that you put on linkedin or I-
1: you know interesting question no one's asked that so I definitely went back and even folks on my editorial board uh, gave me feedback and said, you know, this image doesn't quite capture what you said here. I would have thought you would have done blah, blah, blah. Or sometimes they said that. Sometimes they said, I just don't get it or I'm I'm not seeing that. So I redrew some of the images um, because there was an arc, right? Initially it was like, I just felt like, oh, I'll just slap that out and put it in. And after a while, I was like, no, I think I want to have a, a certain shape to this. I want to have, um, you know, the people be more a part of it. So there was an arc to that. And there was also some of them I just threw photos in, which people love. But I was like, I want this all to be illustrated. So, yeah. So I did actually go through two two things. One, upgrading it as I went through the editing process, but also... I think there was an arc throughout where I got a little more curious about, well, how would you draw a horse? How yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> would you draw a book? Like that was interesting. It was fun. I sort of looked at different mm. uh, different uh, sources. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I was going to ask also, you know, thinking of continuous improvement cycles, one one thing you said a couple of minutes ago um, stood out to me, and I jotted it down. When you were engaging with people in LinkedIn, that question is as you asked it, what have you figured out? Like, I think that's, that's powerful. Like to me, that is about experiments and and learning by doing and PDSA cycles, or however you want to describe it. Um, What have you figured out versus what do you know? Like, tell tell me more, like your thoughts of like the difference between those questions, figuring it out versus knowing.
1: That's great too. So what do you know? And you might respond with this is what you do. And what have you figured out? What happened was I heard stories. Like some of those quotes in the book are really miniature stories. Like, this happened to me and I learned this and I'll never do this again. Or I'll I'll always respect that. You know what I mean? It was, I actually got very I started to really appreciate people responding with that because it was, wow, you encapsulated a fairly big kind of learning cycle in that, in that little quote. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I've encouraged people keep, uh, keep figuring it out. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 Have that attitude.
0: And I think your book is going to prompt a lot of reflection and, and discussion for, for individuals or, or teams to keep doing that. Um, so let's, let's, talk a little bit about you know who the book is written for like i noticed the title is of course picture yourself a leader i don't know like if you had thought of is it is it picture yourself a lean leader like is it in 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 your mind a lean leadership book or is it really just about good leadership maybe influenced by lean
1: good question again so i think initially it's coming from my world, our world, which is continuous improvement. And the stories, especially like the first chapter are really the foibles that we get into, um, you know, like getting really good at rework, but that's also goes beyond the lean world. I think anyone can recognize, oh yeah, I've seen that. Or, um, we do that. And so the more I went through the editing process, I felt like it kept expanding um, so that the final people I had uh look at it were not in the lean world. And I said, you know, just you tell me, does this resonate? And it did. And they said, oh, God, yeah, this made me think about, you know, <laughs> what did I do raising my son? And I wrote him a, you know, an email right away. It's like, did I do this? And they're, no, 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 you were fine. Um, yep. And so there was it in, and, and in that edit, like you said, jargon free, I worked really hard at just pulling those last pieces out that I didn't even see. Right. I mean, I'm very much, you know, don't give me acronyms. Don't give me jargon, you know, give me uh, spell it out. And that helped me with that last round. So I came back and thought, yeah, probably the person who, uh, you know, somebody who might get every single story out of this would be uh, someone who's uh, becoming a lean leader. But the vast majority of the book is just about helping people see that they do have impact whether they know it or not and getting a handle on that influence and being a good leader whether that you're you're a leading a leader in your family you know a leader at work a leader in a a a club you're in a, a sports team whatever it is it's these things are about the impact you have on other people which is everybody yeah
0: so, so back to that, you know, uh, this this idea of everybody and the impact that we have on on others. You know, the word leader, people could say that's a title, that's a role, that's a personality. I don't know, maybe there's other words you could use. But well, you know, one 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 thing you say in, with the book is the word leader can mean many things. Like, tell tell, tell us more of you know your your thoughts on on that. Um, how how does how, how can everybody be a leader in some way?
1: I think that it's kind of key that people open their eyes to that because you don't, without doing that, you don't realize that you are. And I think some people are surprised when someone says to them, well, I took your advice or, you know, you did this. So I thought she did that. I'll do this. And you think, wow, someone's watching what I do. Someone's watching. And it's just, I think some people don't realize, and how can we all realize all the impacts that we have, but just that sense of you don't know that you're leading in these moments. Like, you know, how you treat one sibling informs your other siblings. Mm. Like you're, you're in that moment a leader. So taking stock of that, I feel like is... Something we don't always do. We just don't always see those moments.
0: Mm. So what I hear you saying is that leadership extends beyond workplace, whoever's providing your paycheck. Leadership extends to family, neighborhood, community, other settings.
1: Yeah, leadership is happening everywhere. Mm. And we if hope. you, what? So we hope. <laughs> well, I didn't say good leadership. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes there's an absence of leadership, but. You know, Sometimes there's an absence of leadership, yeah. actually, yes. And I think we don't always see we could fill that gap, right? Whatever that is. And that the things that we're doing uh, are influencing people to maybe step up or not. And yeah, you could have a title. Maybe you don't want a title. Maybe you're happy with informal leadership. I remember when I we did that whole uh, segment on improv. But for a long time there, I was really happy playing side characters, You know, I love the feeling of, like, maybe even stealing a scene. I wasn't the protagonist. I was just a character. But, you know, so people not realizing that even as they are not playing this true leadership role, they might be a side character, but they are having an impact. And to own that and think about, you know, what do you want out of that? What, What do you want people to do? What do you want to happen around you? I think we don't always own our own power. We, uh, we sometimes think, Oh, I wish that wouldn't happen. I wish people wouldn't do that. And it's like, yeah, you know, well, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and this is asking those questions. Like, what if, you know, what if you could do something about that? What would it be? You know, what would that look like? Yeah. Yeah.
0: To picture yourself a leader as a certain Thank you. title.
1: <laughs> Gets, it's
0: a- right. Do you, do you think some people have trouble picturing themselves as a leader kind of thing, just directly from the book's
1: title? I do. I think some people would react. I think few people would react and go, I don't have to picture myself a leader. I am a leader, you sure. know? Right. Uh, but I think some people, it's foreign. It's this, uh, well, I could never be, or who would see me as a leader? And it's like, well, I think you would have to see it first, or maybe open your ears and eyes to someone else seeing it, because we often don't realize that someone else is seeing that and asking you to step up. Um, so, yeah, I think there's there's that uh, an invitation.
0: Yeah, you're you making me think of uh, a story, real quick. Of you know, somebody I was working with in a hospital laboratory fifteen years ago, and I've I've told his story in. Um, the book Lean Hospitals, where um, there there was a guy John who was you know, a top individual contributor, and as organizations tend to do, they had many many times offered him a supervisor role, and he had always turned it down. And as I was working with John on on this lean project, and they were starting to explore lean leadership, lean problem solving, if you will. I mean, you know, you explained that. You know, to, to him being the supervisor was always sort of like being the workplace police, and he didn't want to be doing that. He wanted to be helpful, of not just like catching people doing something wrong. And and so then the the, the opportunity was there as the lab director, and as they were starting to embrace and try to build this lean culture, he ended up taking a supervisor role, or I think it was even a manager role, because they had redefined expectations of, of leaders. And now suddenly that, I think he was always a leader, but like he finally now found a situation where it was compatible with how he wanted to be.
1: That is a great story. And it highlights one of the chapters, which was about being thrust into a supervisory or a management role without really having all of the skills needed for that and the story i told was me at you know i was 25 and it was a apple to developer out in california this is before you know there was the whole tech bubble this is in the 80s um and um i did everything i would i was a tech i was a tech writer you know um, not a tech writer i was a tech support right i was writing mm-hmm. cuz people mm-hmm. were trying to put our software together with all different um printers and devices, and we had to troubleshoot. And then I was in charge of all the of tech support. And then uh since I was writing all the templates and the letters, they were like, oh, she can write, why don't you be a tech writer? Because this is back when we made actual manuals and they were, <laughs> right. they were nice. They were like, we had a great graphic designer, man. These things were yeah. slick and pretty. So I did that and then they were like, oh, you're great. Now you be head of production and you work with the beta testers and you work with the tech writers. So. The guy that hired me, who was older than me, came from Gloucester, Mass. And uh, now I'm in charge of him. And I'm in charge of all the the tech support that I kind of came up to the ranks with. I'm in charge of all the tech writers that I had been working with. And some, you know, hired as tech writers before me and saw themselves as, you know, that's my role. Anyway, the the I was not prepared for... These guys not wanting to report, first of all, to a woman, Mm -hmm. and also kind of what you described, the the gentleman in the story you just told, like having to be the police, and not having any skills around. Well, how do you deal with performance issues and not be the police? You know, how do you navigate that? And I reached and Hugh Alley, who wrote "Becoming the Supervisor," chimed in on that post, and he was so helpful in that realm and obviously that's his uh that's his wheelhouse so he said here's the five things you need you know and you didn't have that and i was like oh like that was such a great you know crystalline and it made helped me make sense of that past you know that still felt kind of bad like oh that was so bad i just that helped my decision to leave california not the only thing <laughs> I was like i think i'm going back east now i think i'm done with this um but uh yeah that. That is a hard thing that that official title and what goes with it, and when you move from being good at what you do to managing other people, and that's a then you got a whole other realm of influence you got to manage. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: So again, we're joined by uh, Elizabeth Swan. Picture yourself uh, a leader. Is the book let's let's do a little uh, author talk of uh, you know thing back to the Hamilton line, how the sausage gets made. We were in the room where I don't sing either, but as um, so much as I love music. If we were in the room where it happened, um, as, as so to speak, um, tell tell us more. Uh, you mentioned editing; like, I'd be curious to to hear what your process was in terms of writing, editing, refining, PDSA cycles in terms of of the book. Can you tell us a little bit about like the the process? What 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 type of iteration was happening?
1: I would say, first off, I loved it. I love the process of going back and forth with people. And you're one of the people I've gone back and forth with, you know, just like, what does this sound like? What do you think of this? But on a on a broader level, it, it's been PDSA from the start. Like, it's been so interesting. First off, I had naively thought, oh, blog to book. You put all your blogs together and you publish them. Like, whoa, that's so easy. So, okay, that was wrong. Uh, and then it was, well, what is it? What is the book? I'm going to pull them together, but what does that look like? So at that same time, the Kata Geek Girls were starting a Kata practice uh, cohort. So I dove in and Maria Grzanka was my coach. and my book challenge was, what is it, right? What does this thing look like? Who's it for? You know, just trying to work that. So we did literally PDSA cycles on, you know, what's the purpose? What's the why of this book? What does it look like? I played with layouts. You know, I played with what's included in each chapter because it was going to be different, right? It's not just apparently blog to book.
0: (laughs) <laughs> well, but don't don't be too hard on on yourself because um, I guess I can do that. We're we're an author to author section. I can, I'm I'm going to bring up my book. Forgive yeah, me. Yeah, do it. Um, my book. I all I have is a printout of a, a cover design. But mistakes,
1: it's awesome.
0: The mistakes that make us. Um, thank you. Um, but you were saying okay. The the original concept was blog to book. My original concept was um podcast to book. My favorite yes. mistake. My like, oh, yes. I've got these great stories from all my guests. I know I can't use them all, but stitch them together. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, that wasn't, that wasn't really going to, that wasn't really going to work either. Cause people could go read the podcasts on the web, uh, the transcripts on the website. Right. Why put it in a book? So again, iteration back to the concept, purpose, design and structure.
1: Yeah. It um, No, that's great. That's great. And it makes me even more curious about what's going to happen with your book. So remind me to come back to my cover because that was another really fun PDSA. But the, what you just described hit a nerve, which is, um, what I wanted personally. I wanted my, I wanted the book. I wanted to have my blogs and be able to reference them. I wanted to be able to say, Oh, where's that story? Let me go look at that let me go pull this up um i would sometimes use the image and the question in our leadership class as a warm up question it was something along the theme of what we were going to teach about a lean six sigma leader for that uh, open session and so that became great uh, fodder um so i wanted it and then also uh the the process of then having an edit- editorial board, like, I, and mm-hmm. you have to decide how many people you're gonna listen to, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, um, do, and how many people want to have that conversation with you? Yeah. And then what do different people bring, right? So you get very different takes on what you do. And and I had, um, it was funny, one uh, one editorial board member sort of warned me, said, you know, I, I may say things that are completely out of line, and I may infuriate you and all this kind of warning up front. Yeah. And um, it ended up being such helpful. I mean, I know you appreciate it too. You want to hear, you want to know, like, does this resonate, not resonate? And it was just so helpful to hear things like this one doesn't end on a hopeful note. Like you always end on a, such a hope, you know, Give us something to hope for here.
0: <laughs> was that a section that had one of my wisdom of the crowd stories? <laughs> I don't always end on, a, on an uplifting note. That might've been my fault.
1: No, it wasn't you. Okay. Um, And also just the story structure. Like I, I've studied story, you know, sort of, it was like, so I need to come to what's the resolution. What's the change? What happened here? Right. So always coming back. And so the person was sort of calling me out for, I don't hear the resolution. I don't hear the, what's the change here. But that told me, Oh, you hear it elsewhere. So this is coming through. This is good. Um, And just, you know, we've taught, you know, you probably deal with this all the time, but you know, letting go of words, right. People saying, I remember someone saying like, well, this one here, I don't think you're adding anything. Aside from the fact that it's like three different cliches. It's like, (laughs) Ow. <laughs> but that's good. That's great. I don't want a single cliche in this book, man. Let's get that out of there. Um, so that I felt like was, a, a you know, the, the online process was a collaboration and then the editorial process is a collaboration. Um, and those, uh, it, it's a build. So that just feels that that's a, uh, I, I think a really rewarding process. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I think yeah. that's,
0: yeah, well, I mean you you want honest feedback where uh it may I mean you know some of it may sting, but then you know you take a breath and you come back, you know, hey that person's that person's right and I can come back and then that or sometimes I jump right to like, yeah, you're right. That was not written clearly at all. <laughs> I try not to beat myself up, just go back and try again and fix it. You need people pointing that out. But you know, I think of like a, a book as a, a startup product. Mm. In in entrepreneurship circles or lean startup circles, they always talk about the trap of the potential trap of asking friends and family for pe- feedback about your product, your app, your software, your business. People might be <laughs> nice, right? They might not, you know, they, they might say nice things, but I'll give a shout-out and credit to Karen Ross, who helped me understand a lot of this. Um kind is really what you're looking for right? right you don't want someone to be mean and rip what you've done but kind is like helpful like challenging and you know um as opposed to just uh what would you think of the book like um oh I, I loved it like okay well that okay, that might be true but that's not very helpful <laughs> yeah so you, you how, do, how do you know how do you you've gotta maybe um yeah you think of who do you reach out to uh somebody doesn't know you at all That might be a little leery of giving the feedback and if someone knows you too well they might say well i don't want to hurt elizabeth's or mark's feelings yeah this comes back to the art of like who who do you ask for input
1: yeah no i think it's really critical because you want the kindness right not the sort of pablum or you know you're you're good but you uh and you want it in a way you can hear it right? So, and you might, and sometimes it might sting and you might go, okay, I'm just going to sit with that. I'll come back. And then you might read it. I don't know if you ever do this. You look at feedback and in your mind, it was like, you know, a a punch, you know, a a left jab. And then the next day you might go look at it and go again and say, actually, that wasn't really a left jab. That's actually, they're not, that's not sharp. It's just, it's some, it's fairly accurate. And that's probably what got me is that, yeah, that's true. I really, it's, like you think you, I, I you know, I'm, the, there's humor. The book has a lot of humor in it and sometimes the jokes didn't land. And sometimes it was because it's, it's, I don't know if this, where this expression comes with, it's like the curse of knowing, like, you know, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So you think you have shorthand.
0: Right. And so you think right. these
1: two sentences tell the joke and actually it's missing a sentence. Mm-hmm. So that was just a, like a warning. Like you, you need to explain a little bit or cause I don't really get it. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, that's very true. Um, that could be not just a joke, but explaining some concept and like trying, trying to be able to go back and read or have others read as a, a novice to what you're trying to write, you know, can be very helpful. Um, my, my last book measures of success, um, you know, it's about statistics and charts and, you know, it's not full of formulas or anything, but I tried to, you know, uh, Check for reading comprehension by asking people who knew nothing about TQM, statistical process control, whatever. Just like, is this re- like I'm not dumbing things down, but I want to make sure it's clear. You know, I think you have to, to to get that feedback. If if you're writing a book about Lean and you have you know have it reviewed by um, a bunch of really knowledgeable Lean people, they might miss something that would be unclear to a novice. Maybe not, but there's that risk.
1: Yep. No, that's a really good. And I don't know about you, was, I'm assuming that was a late edit. Having the novice take a look was after you'd been through rounds with your editorial group?
0: Well, actually, the, the copy editor that I was using at the time um, who had done some work with me on Lean Hospitals, like this was not her domain at all. Mm. So she was doing not just copy editing around grammar, but she was also kind of doing those continual readability checks,
1: Um, that's actually great. That was, I believe the first person who was not in our realm was my copy editor. And, uh, he told me when he, he would write lines that cracked him up and then he would say, wow, this made me think. And I want (laughs) to get, I want to get copies of this for my daughters. Like it was just like, and, and he's, this is not someone who ever says anything he doesn't mean. You know what I mean? Uh, so that was that was huge. That was actually a big turning point for me. I was like, "Oh, okay. If he got this, then yeah, I think this has legs."
0: So let's talk a little more about um, you know process of bringing a book to market. You wanted me to come back to PDSA on the cover. Oh yeah. Why don't we talk about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, just you and I went back and forth. You just showed you shared with me. I was showing you my cover and you shared with me yours, sure. which is... Hold,
0: hold it up again for the YouTube viewers. Oh, okay, the, of the book. I
1: don't think you showed the front of the book. I did not show the front. So show let the front me... of the book. There we go. Let's see if I can get that yeah. sitting up there. Okay. Good. So Thank this, you. that's the cover of my book. Um, and so it was what's, you know, the process of a cover, working with a designer and I'll be interested if this aligns with your experience. I love your cover, by the way. Um, so the process is Tell us covers you like. What are covers you're drawn to, right? So, what do you like? And then, what kinds of elements do you see in the cover? What are colors you're drawn to, or not color, or fonts, you know, anything that is, you know, in your mind that let's make it explicit for the designer to work with. And then they give you a bunch of options, right? Now, but before you go
0: further in that, did, did they also ask you to share some, is it helpful to share some examples of ones you don't like? Ooh. Of not just, hey, I like these, and then here are some that I think, no, or
1: um, they it more didn't from that ask, positive? They didn't ask that, but what was tough was I gave books I liked, but they're not my book, right? So I like, you know, uh, do you know the book, what is it, Essentialism? Mm -hmm. It's got this great image of kind of a, it's very simplistic and stark and white. And it's got this snarl of red um, twine and the, you know, just the word um, essentialism coming out. And it's, um, it's so striking, but I was like, but that's not how my book cover would work. So it was, we, the best conversation was. Getting us together looking at covers. Like you could go on Pinterest and say, just let's show us some great book covers, something like that. Um, but I found it still tough. You know, it's almost like blank slate. Where are we going with this? What are we gonna do? But one of the through lines was you're the you're an illustrator, you've illustrated this book. There's, you know, 60, 70 of your drawings in here. So shouldn't there be some of your drawings on the cover okay and then it was you know picture you know one of the first images was a frame right picture yourself you know there you are in a frame but then I thought well if I draw a face in there then that's who the leader is so it was like well what if it's a mirror but then it just kept feeling like too on point like okay picture and and then it was, but my the illustrations aren't popping for me; they feel like clutter like i don't i'm not I'm not enjoying my illustrations in this iteration. And then they took um a a series of them kind of in just in little squares and angled them up the page, and that had movement and felt like, oh, that's interesting and and someone said, "Oh, it's kind of like a like a movie, you mm. know. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. It still is not capturing me, but it's it's capturing me more. So I sat down with a friend, I think over the weekend, and she's got a design background. And I just started thinking, okay, what if we re- really took a movie reel mm-hmm. and just and then my illustrations? It could be a mix of them because it's there's so much in here. It's not just mm-hmm. you know humans but it's anyway so that ended up being that image right so that's the movement I took that from so that was the PDSA right so many many rounds there
0: yeah well it's funny it's funny you say movie I looked at it like a roll of film because the the images were very different yeah you know I mean we 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 explained um TQM (laughs) we have to explain what a roll of film
1: oh my god yeah (laughs) <laughs> I, I there's so many things i had to call out someone i was like um what was that old do you remember the old copy machine mimeograph oh yeah and the i had to blue, describe what a mimeograph a was print. it was like you had the, the blue on the white paper and somebody would have to like literally crank out the copies yeah and, and in know. grade school i was a teacher's pet and so i got to go and mimeographs the exam or whatever it was. And I remember liking the smell of the <laughs> mimeograph machine, right? That ink had a distinct smell to it. So yeah, yeah that's taken me way back. So anyway, that, yeah, a film strip, of, a movie reel, a um, the uh, movie camera film. Yeah, just that. And I think also I'm a huge movie fan. So that was like very appealing for me. I'm like, oh, good. I can just pull it all together.
0: Yeah, yeah. But iterations. And then you hit a point where you're like, yes. It's like the Ted Lasso moment
1: where he runs back into the room and you're like, yes. And yes. Yes. And of course the designer is waiting patiently for me to get to that. Right. <laughs> like, say yes.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll I'll share. I mean, the my my book cover was a, a collaborative, iterative process with um an old friend of mine who's uh, a professional um artist, graphic designer. Um doesn't normally do book covers, right? So he wasn't too locked into well. Here's the way I normally do a book cover, Um, but maybe we can save that story if I can come on Just in Time Cafe. Oh,
1: please come on Just in Time Cafe because man, that book's coming out soon, and I am very excited to hear.
0: So I don't want to take away from discussion of uh, picture yourself a leader, but um, I think one thing I'm going to do, and I know um, you know, I think Don would be fine with this, is I'm actually going to do a blog post that shows. Um, the evolution and the iteration where I'll tell the a quick story. I thought I wasn't going to do this, but just real quickly started with six pencil sketch concepts. And then we kind of narrowed in on one and then it's gone through at least 10 cycles of iteration um, along the way. So I think I'll, I'll share some of that. It might be interesting to see how some of that sausage gets made.
1: Good for you. Yeah. That's interesting to look back at what were those iterations? What were those cycles and what did we take from one? And mm-hmm. go to the next. And some of them might be, we took that, we took that. And then we went, actually, let's go back to this, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. so it's Sometimes not like it's linear.
0: Not, I, right. For sure. So, um, but, but back, back to your your book and whether it's the title or the cover or, you know, I mean, there, there, there's all these decisions to make. And I, I think this is also like entrepreneurship, like you want to get input People who are proxies for the voice of the customer, if you will. But then at some point, like you've got your vision and it's you, it's your name on the cover, Elizabeth. Like at some point you gotta say, like, okay, nah, I like this. I I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. Like, how did, did you have any moments where you know you were trying to find that balance of like, you know, respecting and accepting the input versus saying, well, nah, here's my vision?
1: There were all along the way. Because on the one hand, like you said, it's voice of the customer. I have to listen to this. And sometimes early on, it would be, I want to wait and see if anyone else says this. I want to hear if anybody else hits this. And sometimes you, and even if it was two people, I'm like, okay, I got to listen to that. But sometimes it was one. And the the one reviewer who said, um, feel free to toss it out you know to completely ignore you know might be off the mark and that stuck with me it's like okay some of them might be off the mark for what i'm trying to do you know i think um and some people said i don't know if you want this and i'm thinking i do i want that so those decisions and like you said uh finally coming to yeah it's my it's my decision i'm going to have to do this i will tell you one funny story about some of the decisions. And one of them was, it was, the conversation was how do I make sure someone said, you're, you don't sign your illustrations per se. You put a little Swan there, right? Sort of the S of your name and a Swan, but you don't write Swan or Elizabeth Swan. So I want to, you know, how do you make sure people know that those are your Mm -hmm. illustrations, you know? And I, so I was talking about this with my husband and he said, why don't you put written and illustrated by Elizabeth Swan on the cover? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> that should have occurred to me.
0: Yeah, you're right. There, there, there. It is. I is the preview copy you had sent me. There, there is that that symbol, and I mean that. That seems like something like a professional cartoonist would do. Like they, have
1: yes, thing. I, I think as of having sold um, these now, I am perfect. I am professional. Yeah. I've I've now have illustrated and someone someone's actually paid for the illustrations. They got a book too, but that's you yeah. know. <laughs>
0: Um so a couple of questions before we wrap up, uh, Elizabeth. Um oh my God, we, we could talk for hours about the topics and everything in, in the book. We'll come back away from some of the uh, you know author thoughts and tips. But you know, I'm I'm sure people who are listening are writing or considering writing a, a, a book. But looking, you know, at the content. And you know, there's there's two sections here. At the risk of it seemingly self serving, I want to talk about the two sections where I had contributed one of these wisdom of the crowd stories. Mm-hmm. Just a, I don't, know, I had to pick two, so I picked those. One was you've already mentioned earlier um, acronyms, mm-hmm. and you call it um, heading off the head scratchers. Tell tell us a little bit about that, and then I'll I'll just my my story is real short. I'll tack onto it, but.
1: Yeah, that one was, it's part of that, what I described kind of that curse of knowledge. And acronyms, It you know, in our world, the consulting world, when we go work with a new organization, it felt like there's always this exchange of acronyms. Like, you know, we've got Cypox and um, uh, DMAIC and PDCA, and, and then they've got to give us all their acronyms. And it's shorthand for them, it's shorthand, it's language. We have two different languages. And it it contributes to distance it, it there, once you know it, you're in an in crowd and if you don't you're out and it's it keeps people, I think from embracing something that we're trying to teach right how how does how do you invite someone when they don't know what you're talking about? So I was joking around about just all the acronyms that get flown around and sometimes I have no idea what they are or parents, you know, as soon as they cop on to what the latest acronyms their kids are using in text, <laughs> the kids have moved on. Like that's an old one. And you're, you're dating yourself by even using it. Yeah. So yeah, that was, uh, about, uh, clarity and, and conversation. Yeah.
0: And then the, the, the little story that I added in there was about a, t- a time when I worked at the lean enterprise Institute, I don't think I shared some of this detail in the book, but I'll say it here. Um, I was working uh, with Rachel Regan, who who I think is great, and if she's listening, you know, hi Rachel. Um, but I, I remember there there was something she made reference to. It was on a whiteboard, or it was on a calendar, or something, and it said "FU meeting." And I was like, "Wait, what? Like, what's the problem? What's going?" She was like, "Oh, she was like, no, it doesn't mean anything bad." Um, when she was at Toyota, it was a very common acronym for follow up. Like, okay, there we go what i asked oh. instead of just making an assumption of his I saying,
1: love that the FU, FU meeting FU and then meeting. you just showed me you had a you had FU in some uh, a column of information that you were sharing a spreadsheet of like it's FU you know Oh, was-
0: <laughs> let me again mention the Kinexus webinar that Elizabeth yeah. is present presenting on uh, April 18th we have uh, a checklist/planning slash uh, planning document and we've done more than 100 um, webinars now in the spreadsheet column that lined up with Elizabeth's was column FU. <laughs> no, no offense.
1: <laughs> You're like, Hey, check it out. There's FU again. That I think that post was born of my irritation with all the posts about VUCA and they'd say VUCA this VUCA that oh, what do you do about VUCA? VUCA which stands for volatility. I'm going to get this wrong. Uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's the C? Yeah. Anyway, Google, so I'm already Google, lost Google
0: save. Google save me.
1: Um, volatil- I had to Google it. Volatility, yes. uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Okay. So those terms mean something to me, but when I hear that word, it sounds like a cat coughing up a hairball. So yeah. It was just like, what? come on. Like do we have to speak in this? It's and and like you did and I just did and we're familiar with this term. I don't I don't remember what it means. But um yeah, those it's a it's kind of a it's a plague. <laughs> yeah. All right, what's the other
0: one? What's the so other, the other one was about perfecting rework and I'll tell the short version. What I wrote was longer. I'll tell the short example, but 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 tell us why that's a problem uh worth worth addressing. Um, in in organizations or for leaders,
1: yeah, it's there's probably some great quotes from Dr. Deming or Peter Drucker, but it's like, you know, it's just doing something really well that we shouldn't be doing at all, and it's uh, we don't question it. We sort of deal with um, we we have to do this thing because we get this wrong or this doesn't work. We haven't figured out how to make it work, so we just got really good at getting really fast. At the fix, and uh, the story I told there was—I don't know if you want me to tell the story—but it's a um, this was going to a play with my husband, and we had to drive up to Boston, and it was uh, put on by Harvard. Harvard has um, ART, the American Repertory Theater, and it's big ART acronym. And so we were, of course, hit traffic, and it's a friend of our son who's in the play. I think it was Donnie Darko, and very excited to see this young talent. And um, we, we found a parking space, also a miracle in Harvard Square and uh, raced to the, you know, raced right into the ticket booth. And the woman, as soon as we put our tickets down, handed me the sheet of paper with a picture or a, a layout map of Harvard Square and a yellow Sharpie highlighter line uh, through it and said, here's where the theater is. Um, if you go and present this, they'll know what to do. So it was like, okay, grab that, grab the things. Now we're racing across the square, up and down into back streets and find another theater apparently associated with the ART called, you know, One Arrow Theater, which happens to be the address, One Arrow Street. So get in there and uh, there's a whole bunch of people standing in line with this yellow highlighted map. And uh, she says, to the woman uh, at this uh, theater says, Okay, there's about to be a lights out moment, so um, then you you guys are all going to file in, and we left the front row open, so you can just sit down in the front row, um, and you you haven't missed more than blah blah blah. So we're like, okay, so we lights down, we got in there, we got a front row seat, and you know we watched. I I don't know how much of the play we missed, but got you know a great seat, and clearly they had this great rework. <laughs> The fact that everybody thought it was the a r t but it was actually a different theater, uh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Anyway, oh, that's that's
1: a, we do it all the time,
0: yeah, how do we get back to the root cause and and prevent it? um the one demingism I'm thinking of is maybe one of the mainer things he said, but I think it's kind of spot on. I think he called it the American way of making toast. You burn it, I'll scrape it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I love that oh, yeah. that's beautiful. Um, but the, the one spirit. example
0: I used, and I you know see too much of it, is just in a nutshell. Um, how often, at, you know, before a case in an operating room, they'll open the surgi- surgical packs and find something lost, missing, broken. Well, lost and missing are the same thing, I guess. Lost, broken, dirty, and you can get really good at that response loop, as opposed to going back and saying, "How do we make sure instruments aren't." missing not put in if they're broken less likely to look or at least give the appearance of of being dirty and I think I mean you 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 can do both if if you don't have perfect mistake proofing but I think sometimes people don't challenge the you know how, how do we eliminate the rework cycle instead of doing the rework better
1: yeah yeah and it's just you get caught up in perfecting it and and stop and 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 it takes like a beat to go well how about we go back to like you just said how do we not have those things happen
0: which is the harder thing to do yes and and people might be aware and then they might say hey we don't have time because there's so much rework (laughs) that existential
1: um, yeah we we, we have to work the backlog first and then we'll get to fixing it yeah
0: but there are so many gems and and, and, and great ideas and reflections and stories uh, in the book. Again, it's Picture Yourself a Leader. Elizabeth Swan uh, is is the author. Um, I'll put links in the show notes. Elizabeth with an S, ElizabethSwan.com. Um, so you know, thank you so much for doing um, the episode here today. Thank you for, uh, or, you know, congratulations on the book. Thank you in advance for doing um, that Kinexis webinar. I hope people will check it out.
1: Yeah, please do. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. This was a ball.
0: This was fun. Thanks. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.